I channel her a lot. I think whenever I have a big challenge, I'm like, well, shoot, she she broke out of slavery. So, I mean. <laughs> so I can make this wine. <laughs> yes, I can make this happen. I can do this. I'm Delia Colon, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and Southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. March is Women's History Month, and you're about to meet a St. Petersburg woman who's making history right here in the Sunshine State. As the founder of Mermosa Wines, Desiree Noisette is Florida's first black female winemaker. Thank you for eating up the latest episode of The Zest. WUSF Public Media also offers a delicious podcast focused on arts and culture in the Sunshine State. The Arts Access Florida podcast highlights arts and cultural organizations right here in Florida. Learn more about these unique institutions, how you can be a part of upcoming events, and so much more. For a culturally enriching experience, subscribe to the Arts Access Florida podcast wherever you listen to podcasts or visit artsaccessflorida.org. That's arts, A-X-I-S-F-L dot org. Thanks to our founding sponsor, Community Foundation Tampa Bay. Mermosa Wines is a mermaid-themed beverage company based in St. Petersburg with a product line that includes ready-to-drink mimosas and other sparkling wines. The brand is sold in 16 states, available in stores like Walmart, Target, ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, Total Wine, and others. Desiree Noisette is the company's founder, president, and head mermaid. That also makes her Florida's first black female winemaker. In our conversation, Desiree shares how she went from a law career to creating a line of beverages inspired by her ancestors. She also discusses the challenges of being a young woman of color in the wine industry. Head Mermaid, is that what it says on your business card? It does. Amazing. (laughs) Tell me how you got into this. Back in the day, I used to practice construction law. And I loved practicing with my friends in my construction group, but I hated arguing and thinking about arguing all the time. So I quit in 2012 to do something completely different. I started a swimwear store in downtown St. Pete, and it was on the corner of Beach and Fort. So if you've ever been to downtown St. Pete, it was right along the waterfront. When I first moved in, there was the Chuhuli Museum next to us the um, Renaissance Vinoy, the big pink castle hotel, downtown St. Pete. So it was a lot of fun, a very vacation mode. And I would have folks coming in that were, you know, it'd be like a grandma, a mom and a daughter. So these multi-generational groups coming in, trying on swimwear, which is not fun. Not at all. (laughs) Hate it. What was the name of your store, by the way? It was called Cerulean Blue. Say that 10 times fast. Is that a crayon? Yes, it's the, yes, it is. It's the most popular crayon for the sky and the water. Oh, that's good. It is good, but it's hard to say. So, you know, we rebranded, obviously, later on. <laughs> but we digress. So how, yes. how did you get from swimsuits to wine? They actually go hand in hand because swimsuit shopping is terrible, generally. And I wanted to make it a fun experience. And so popping bottles was this way of uh, starting a party and bringing people together and people would start telling stories. And since we had this multi-generational crowd, the stories would end up being these amazing family stories and history from all over the world. And it was an opportunity to bring people together. 
Yeah, a little liquid courage, I think, yes. would help everyone look better. So what was your next step? Because a lot of us have ideas, but then mm-hmm. how did you sort of turn that into reality? So the next step was doing a lot of research and putting a business plan together. Good old Google had a lot of resources that I was able to tap into and a lot of studies from universities that talk about winemaking and winery operations. And so I learned that, hey, there's a real opportunity here. I was trying to find wines that, oh, I was trying to create the perfect ready-to-drink mimosa, something that was a mimosa elevated, so not too sweet, using real fruits instead of using syrups and extracts. And so just doing all this research led me to Oregon. And I picked up the phone and I started calling wineries and I found somebody that had a bottling line that had the equipment that I knew I needed to create the sparkling wine. And I found that this guy was on page six of a Google search or maybe seven. And there was an Oregon wine press article about this guy. He had just purchased this this amazing new mobile bottling line that could carbonate wines because I, I wanted to hit a certain price point. I wanted our wines to be approachable. So I called this guy, Joe, and I said, hey, I got this idea. I want to make the perfect mimosa. And it's mermaid inspired. And I you know, had all this, this, these ideas about wine extensions, where I wanted to go with it. And he said, oh, this sounds really interesting. I'm just rolling off of another project. Why don't you come out to Oregon? I'm going to help you get set up. I'm going to help you learn how to make wine. So I did. I go out there. I'm sitting in this B&B and the owner comes out in the morning. Oh, what are you guys doing today? I'm going over to uh, this guy, Joe Dobbs house, and he's going to help me with the wine project. And this man goes, oh yeah, Joe Dobbs, Dobbs family estate. I'm like, what? I didn't properly Google this guy the entire time. Isn't that awkward when you find out someone's a big deal like yes. after you've interacted with them? Yes. I didn't realize he's like this 30-year veteran, this wine celebrity. He's been selling wines internationally and coast to coast for a very long time. Second largest winery operation in Oregon. Wow. And so that really helped set me up. That relationship helped set me up and um, helped me find the right partners and vendors to um, build our brand. But that's, yeah, so mentorship, I think, is <laughs> it's the thing that really took me to the next level. Oh, that's great advice, I think, for anyone starting a business, especially a female, especially a minority female, like having someone to show you the ropes, I think, would be a game changer. Absolutely, because it's not like this is something that I grew up with. I think like most of us, we were, for many reasons, not included in America's growth in the wine industry. Part of that, I think, has to do with land ownership laws. All the land where wine was being grown out on the West Coast that's had the the real revolution in wine, you know, it was, we were largely excluded from it. You know, in Oregon, we weren't even allowed to exist there until, what, early 1920s? Mm. Like, there's laws in the Constitution, we weren't even allowed to be there. And then California, just, they gave all the land away, I think only maybe... 10,000 of the millions of acres went to African-American folks. So, And then financing stuff has always been an issue, redlining. So, the, you know, I didn't grow up with, in this industry. Wine wasn't around when I was growing up. We just, we didn't even have it in our house. My parents weren't wine drinkers. So having mentorship, I think, is is the key to really building those relationships. It's a very relationship-based industry. Mm, that's a great point. And there's so much in 
one bottle of wine. There's so much history and there's so many complications that come along with it. Tell me how your own family inspired the brand. If you see my my brand, it's called Mermosa. There is a mermaid and there's, um, it kind of looks like a half moon, a sea around her. And that's the logo. That's the logo. And that mermaid is inspired by my great grandmother from seven generations ago, Celestine. Celestine Noisette. She grew up in what is now Haiti in the late 1700s. And she met a Frenchman while she was there. And they got married. And they (laughs) ended up moving to Charleston after getting married. So it's 1794. They land in Charleston. And once they get there, there's all these laws about, you know, mixing of races. And basically, Celestine and the kids are about to get snatched up and sold to a plantation. So Philippe has to go down and bribe some people at the city to purchase his wife and children as slaves so that they don't get sold to a plantation. And so after he creates this fake bill of sale, and we, we actually have these documents. We, wow. We have, it's amazing. I feel like it's finding your roots with Henry Louis Gates. All yes, of a sudden. absolutely. This absolutely. I just came to talk about sparkling wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's the thing about wine. It's, it's really more about the story and what you're feeling when you're drinking it and what you're feeling when you're creating it. So it's, it's an art, I, I think. Uh, but anyway, so they get to Charleston. He creates his fake bill of sale. Then he goes and petitions the state of South Carolina for their freedom. And unfortunately, the petition's denied. So he ends up getting to work and he becomes really well known for agricultural technology. And remember, agriculture is like the tech of the times. Mm-hmm. So he creates ways of growing fruits and vegetables that are frost resistant. And then he also becomes famous for introducing a rose that's frost resistant and blooms year round called the noise at Rose. Oh, That's oh my his... gosh! Your family has its own rose. <laughs> we have our own rose. Amazing! It's a yeah. It is. It's pretty amazing. They grow all over Charleston. Um, I have some in my yard. They do. They bloom year round. It's it's incredible. So when he died, he used that fame from his agriculture and the rose to name an executor who had some clout to carry out his wishes in the will. And in his will, he said, "Okay, sell everything." give that money to Celestine and the kids and then sneak her and the kids up to a Northern state so they can be free. And Celestine, this is why she's like our, our life force and infused in every sip. She said, nah, she said, no, I'm not leaving. And she convinces this executor to create this legal structure so that she and the kids can stay in Charleston as free people of color. And then her kids go and petition the state again for their freedom. And this time it's granted. So she just had this audacity that quite literally freed her family from slavery. And from there on, the the children kept the agricultural roots going. They ended up owning hundreds of acres of agricultural land in the Charleston area and were responsible for introducing farming techniques that helped put a lot of fruits and vegetables that we eat today on the table. Oh my gosh. You know those t-shirts that say like, I am my ancestor's wildest dream? Yes. That's you. (laughs) Wow. I I feel like I am, I'm really getting to pay her back and celebrate. I, I just, I feel like it's a true celebration of Celestine. 
It is a celebration. The packaging is so beautiful. I love the mermaid vibe. I mean, you even today, you've got the mermaid waves in your <laughs> hair with like a little bit of pink. Feels very beachy. So let's talk about the wine. I know yes. you, your goal was to create sort of a ready-to-drink mimosa. So what are the different products and what, what do they taste like? So it's funny. So when I started this whole line, I thought, well, I'm just going to make these ready to drink. But I fell in love with the wine side of wine as well. So most of my wine styles are true wines. Mermosa is our ready to drink mimosa. It's Oregon Pinot Gris, a little bit of Chardonnay and Riesling. And then right before we filter, I add a little bit of orange and pineapple juice. Mm. And I did about 300 taste tests with direct-to-consumer uh, out of my shop. I had it, the back of my shop was licensed as a winery and the front was like a, a retail tasting room. And so I would create blends in the back and then take them out front and folks would try it and tell me what they like, what they don't like. And we would do these taste test nights. And this was in the bathing suit shop? Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we had, well, we, we rebranded. We added a bar and, you know, it became Mermosa Tasting Room too, a boutique and tasting room. And um, so that's how Mormosa was formed. And then the other wine styles have just been passion projects that have turned into true standalone wines. So I also have Merseco, our version of Prosecco. And Merseco is an Oregon Pinot Gris Chardonnay Riesling blend. And I recently got a 90 rating and a Best Buy from wine enthusiasts Congrats. on that. Congrats. That's Thank amazing. You. And then I have a rosé called Celestine Rosé. So she has her own rose now. Oh. And the rosé, it's a Pinot, an Oregon Pinot Noir, Pinot Gris blend. Also got a 90 rating in Best Buy from Wine Enthusiast. Oh my goodness. Okay. So your website says you're the official wine of boats, brunch, and beaches. Yes. So very Florida. <laughs> yes. Now, do you have any recommendations either from your own line or just in general of a good drink for boats, brunch, and beaches. Mermosa. That's what it was created for. <laughs> we even have it in cans so you can take it on the boats. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> and so what's, what's funny about that slogan is years ago, I was designing clothes and t-shirts and dresses for the swimwear store. And one of the t-shirts I made that sold out all the time said, boats, brunch, beach drive. Oh, do you still sell that? <laughs> I don't. I want that T-shirt. <laughs> I don't. I should. Boats, brunch, beach drive. Yes, That's so safe. You, <laughs> need to, you need to be selling those shirts. I'm just gonna say. <laughs> I'll put them back up. <laughs> yeah. Now, are you making the wines here in no. Florida? No. It, and that's that's a supply chain manufacturing issue. So, Florida doesn't really have the the right options for grapes. So, I needed something that was very dry. I needed something with the right acidity and especially for canning. Canning wines is a, is a it's considered like a closed system so everything's trapped inside. When you have a cork, the air flows in between. So with our canned wines especially I needed to make sure that we had the right chemistry going on so that it didn't expire. Yeah, <laughs> is a good way to put that. it. Yeah, it can get funky in there. <laughs> um, so <laughs> so Oregon had the perfect the Pinot Gris is perfect for our blending, we do add some Riesling and Chardonnay in there to create the right flavor profile. However, for flavor profiles, I love having the feedback from Florida because I want our wines to feel refreshing in this climate. Mm. And so I think it's really important that as I'm formulating, I get that, get the opinions. And that's, that's, so that's what I did. So I have a winery license in Florida. Formulations are done here. 
And then Oregon is where manufacturing happens Okay, in, in Willamette Valley. We have a winery partner. Oh, very cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of the Florida wines, and we've done an episode on this, but mm-hmm. a lot of the Florida wines are tropical flavors. Yes. Mango, yes. There's lime. A, there's a place for that. Mm-hmm. That just wasn't what I was trying to do. Yeah, I gotcha. So it really is like a continental sort of endeavor because yeah. it was inspired <laughs> by, you said South Carolina? South Carolina. And then produced in Oregon. Yes. And the home base is here in Florida. And then there's some some Caribbean flair in there too with the Haiti That's true. That's Mm -hmm. true. Now, the only people I feel could be left out, and correct me if I'm wrong, but are men. Because when I think of rosé and mimosas, traditionally, that's sort of been branded as those are like the girly drinks. What are your thoughts on that? There have been times when my husband wanted to order something and and he would ask me to order it for him. (laughs) I mean, it's 2022. What are we doing? (laughs) Well, okay. So this is something I learned pretty early on in business. You can't be everything to everybody. You need to know your demographic. And I think there's enough women and people that enjoy day drinking that... (laughs) Oh, there's (laughs) plenty of those. Yeah. So uh, there's enough people that enjoy day drinking. And I think there's enough people out there that enjoy them. I'm not really worried about excluding anybody. I think that there's wines for everybody out there. You know, so, for example, when I do um, events, I ha- there's some sommeliers in town I do a lot of events with. I never expect that they're going to want to use my wines for everything. My wine doesn't pair well with everything. It pairs well with certain things. And there's millions of wine styles on the market. And it's an art. Everybody's going to like their own type of art. Yeah, you're, you know your lane. Yes. <laughs> so yes. now what's next for you? Are there any trends in wine we should be looking out for? Or what do you think your next move will be? With Mermosa, what we're trying to do is make sure that we're getting our message out and sharing the Mermosa uh, experience in the markets where we currently are. So we're in 16 states from Florida to Maine in some major retailers like Sam's Club, Walmart, Target, Total Wine. Hi, and we- why did I not know this? <laughs> exactly. So I because it <laughs> happened it happened so fast. Uh-huh. We went from basically no distribution to 16 states all happened last year with most of the states coming on board in the last quarter of the year. So in 2021. Yes. So during the pandemic. Now, yes. now are people drinking more now? <laughs> I feel like we all need something to take the edge off. Um, I, I mean, the numbers say yes. <laughs> um, but I think since I started in this industry in a vacation resort location, people have been coming here to, to drink and celebrate anyway. So for Mermosa, that's our focus is really honing in on where we are. Like we just landed the Air Force. So that's another you know, big endeavor for us. And I want to make sure that we're executing right. So we're changing our organization up. We're adding people and collaborating more with organizations and people that we know are, are strategically aligned and have the same same goals. In terms of wine industry trends, sparkling wine is really hot. We happen to make a lot of sparkling wine. So that's good. I think subscription boxes are really big right now too. So that's something that we are going to be coming out with later this year. You'll see some pretty exciting subscriptions. Oh my gosh, birthday gift. Yes. <laughs> Before we were recording, we both uh, mentioned that we're turning 40 this year. A lot yes. of my friends, I can't think <laughs> of a better gift to just to just uh, send that. Right. As a the gift that keeps on giving for yes. friends. So you know what I'm doing on my 40th birthday? No. <laughs> When's your birthday? April 9th. Okay, I'm August. It's, okay, so yeah, it's coming up. We're throwing a festival at the St. Pete Pier. 
Oh, Bubbles and Brunch Fest. Stop it. So come on out. Oh, it's like for the public? <laughs> yeah. Oh, how fun. Yes. Bubbles and Brunch. Now, you know what you have to have at that festival are those T-shirts. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Save yes. me one. Save okay. me one. Yes. I yes. Buy it. <laughs> okay. You're right. Okay. I'll make more. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is amazing. Okay. Let me ask you this. Have yes. there been any challenges? You meant, you started by mentioning that you were the first African-American <laughs> winemaker in Florida. How much time you got? Oh no. <laughs> All right. Let's just go there. Yeah. Okay. I can give you a very recent experience. So I was just in Napa for the Black Vines convention. Uh, Black Vines is a, a wine festival that sells out every year and it features uh, black wine brands, black wineries. And the woman who puts it together created this incredible wine experience at a place called Be Bubbly in Napa. And they brought in our wines and sold them. We sold out extremely fast. It was very exciting. There was one person that came up to me and my husband was there too. And I introduced him. And she basically made a, a comment that, oh, you're just the pretty face in front of the brand. Oh, no, I am. I am hustling. I'm running the numbers. I am, you know, handling production. You know, it's there's so much involved with the wine process. And I think that there's still a hurdle because I don't look like what traditionally people see as a vintner or someone running a wine company. They're used to seeing people that look very different. Or, you know, present older. And it's an unfair hill that I have to climb, but it's there. And so I actually hired a PR company because it was such a challenge, especially starting in Florida, which is not known for wines of our style, at least. Well, good for you, girl. <laughs> if Celestine, was that her name? Yes. If she could see you now? I channel her. A lot. I think whenever I have a big challenge, I'm like, well, shoot, she she broke out of slavery. So, I mean. <laughs> so I can make this wine. <laughs> yes, I can make this happen. I can do this. <laughs> well, you're doing it. And we are just happy to meet you and Thank wish you. you all the success in the world. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Desiree Noisette is the founder, president, and head mermaid of Mermosa Wines. Since you listened all the way to the end of the conversation, then it's safe to say you enjoyed this episode. Do us a favor and rate the zest in your podcast app. Go ahead. We'll wait. I'm Delia Colon. I produce the zest with Andrew Lucas. This week, we had help from Chandler Balcom, Mark Hayes, and Hannah Abdel Majid. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media, copyright 2022.